From Phoenix to London. From L.A. to around the world. This is The Ticket. All sports, all the time, with your boys, former NFL Philadelphia Eagle Ray Ellis and Fan Man. Your number one fan-oriented sports talk leader, Voice America Sports. Work it, make it, do it. Makes us harder, better, faster, stronger. That's right. Work it, work it, work it, work it. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network, and we're going to work it with the number one co-host in the world. Fan Man. Fan Man, good to have you with me on time this week. Uh, I guess Well, I rene- renegotiated my contract, and now I'm back in the States. Well, I'm, I'm glad to have you back in the States. I'm really happy. And back on the air, man. we got a great show today. It, it's always a great day here in the Valley. Uh, I'm sure it's fine down here in California as well. Am I right, Fan Man? Yeah, it's beautiful here uh, today, Ray. Well, I'll tell you what, it's, uh, it's also a beautiful time for sports. I mean, this is the time for the NBA championship right now. The Lakers are down two zips to the Boston Celtics going into L.A. tonight. And uh, Well, you know what they're saying here in the media, Ray, about the, about the Lakers? They're done. No, I don't think they're done. That's what they're saying. Uh, you know, those people in the media don't know that the greatest player in the world right now is definitely motivated, and that's Kobe Bryant. I think he will will his team to win tonight, just as I said before, that they would win. This is what the series would look like. It would be. The what do you mean he's going to will his team to win? What does that mean, will? That simply means that he digs down inside of him, and his intestinal fortitude is so strong, and he's got so much guts that he wants to win. He'll do whatever it takes, and his teammates, too, will feed off of that, and the coach will provide the best coaching that's necessary. To well, I, I guess my question is, why didn't they do that in Boston, at least for one game? I think they tried in the second game, but they just uh, they just faltered at the end. Well, they ran out of gas, I guess, as Big Brown did. And, that's again, that's, that's a motivating factor, the fact that they were down by 20-something-odd points, were able to come back. That definitely was something to build off of. But I always tell people, listen, Horseshoes is not basketball. Horseshoes is not football. Coming close does not count. So, mm-hmm. like the matter, they came close. It doesn't count. But I will say this: I think it's going to be an interesting game. I, I actually think the Lakers are going to take. Uh, you know, you know what I think. You know what I think, Ray. Uh, I think Boston's going to win it. Like I said two weeks ago, or no, th- uh, last week. I was on vacation the week before that. But I think that the uh, I think Boston's going to win this. I think LA will win two games, maybe possible three. Well, I, it seems like Boston wants it more. Yeah, well, I think that uh, definitely you're right about that, uh, that Boston is going to win it all. I, of course, too, picked Boston. I think the Celtics uh, will win it probably in uh, six, maybe seven. No, there's not, no sweep here. They can forget about that. But speaking of winners, well, we got a winner with us today, fan man. we got a, a dynamic individual you know, who knows sports. Who's been around for quite a while? Who's that? We we got a, a special guest on the show today. Will you let me finish? Oh, okay. See, uh, and I'm I, sorry, Mark. I'm just going to say this. That's what I have to deal with, and I think Mark is holding. But Mark Gray is with us. Mark, this is what I have to deal with week in, week out. I got one of those fan men on the show who's known as Fan Man, the greatest co-host in the world, is with us. But listen, we got an ESPN, you know, radio guy. We got a, you know, uh, XM radio guy. We got a guy who's been on, uh, you know, with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You know, we got a guy who's just been covering sports with Comcast. Uh, I'm just glad to have you on board with us today, Mark, as a guest. How you doing there? I'm glad to be with you and Fan Man. Now, now, that's not the same Fan Man that flew into the ring when Holyfield and Riddick Bowe were fighting that second time, was he? Well, I'm not going to say it's not. It could be. I mean, this fan man is off the hook. Fan man, is that you? You want to live up to that? No, that, that wasn't me, Mark. 
I, I was sitting at home watching the watching the fight. Okay, at least that's the story you're sticking to it, huh? I mean, I, I, that's always the story I stick to. I have a lot of stories. <laughs> hey, welcome to Voice America Sports, Mark. Hey, thanks a lot. Thank cool. you guys for having me. Man, it's good to have Mark. Mark, I tell you what, man, there's a couple things. We're, we're, we're going to talk about a whole lot of things. This is this is a historical time in sports. You got the Celtics and the Lakers uh, playing again. You know, you got you know one of the greatest football players. You know, you got to give him credit for his, for the amount of sacks that he was able to accumulate over his years of playing professional football, able to walk away from the game from the game on his own terms. Michael Strahan decides that he's going to walk away from the game. Uh, you know, we got a number of things going on. The Bears released another one of their good football players this year again, Cedric Benson, out there doing a couple things, not the right things, not what the Bears want to portray on the field or off the field, so he's got to go. You got Parcells down there, got one of the best model citizens as an athlete that could be on a team, and Jason Taylor. Ah, don't believe the hype what Parcells says. Never believe unless there's guaranteed money that it's guaranteed that that player will be on that team. Jason Taylor may not be with the Miami Dolphins, but I want to know why is Ricky Williams still on that team? But we'll talk about a whole lot of things, but also an historical moment for me in my life and a whole lot of before America. You know, we have the first African-American presidential candidate and Obama who's going to be running. So we're going to talk about everything because you can't talk about America without talking about sports and historical what has happened over the years and, 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 and the role that sports has played in the shaping of America. we got an Olympics going on. We know what happened in the Olympics years ago. You know, we know what happens when Mr. Ricky all of a sudden bought in Jackie Robinson. You know, we know we had the first black coach. You know, this is a historical time. America... Forget if the man's black or white. We need some change going on here. But let me change the subject. Let me talk about Michael Strahan. I mean, come on, Mark. You've seen him play in many years. Is, is Michael one of the best defensive linemen to ever play the game? Hands down. I mean, I mean, everybody talks about the sack, but I thought he was quite prophetic earlier today when he said that the thing he wanted to be remembered most for was his ability to, pay to play the run. And you know how tough it is when you got, you know, guys pulling and trapping and you got occupier, you know, a, a tackle and a guard to allow your linebackers to come up and make big plays. I mean, when it comes to the realm of all-around defensive linemen, I mean, Michael Strahan might have been the most versatile defensive lineman in the history of the game, save for uh, Reggie White and probably Joe Green. I mean, when I think about... Michael Strahan, I will put him into the rarefied air, those guys, as the complete defensive lineman. Run stopper, pass rusher, you know, uh, brings his intensity level there. I mean, you knew game in, game out, what you were getting from him. And his durability at that position, playing on the turf in Giants Stadium, I mean, as great as the Giants are, and it looks like they've built themselves when you got O.C. Yura, Matthias Kiwanuka, and uh, Justin Tuck all ready to assume the reins of keeping that pass rush and defensive intensity in the front line for the Giants where it is right now, still it's not going to be the same without Michael Strahan being there. Hey, Mark, uh, this is Fan Man. You know, Strahan went to seven Pro Bowls. He recorded five, the fifth most sacks in the NFL history, and he ended his almost certain Hall of Fame career on Monday by informing uh, informing uh, the coach, I'm out of here, I'm done, four months after the uh, after the win. I guess that's what he needed, and then he decided, hey, I don't need this anymore. I need to move on. Well, I think, uh, you know, certainly what he needed, Fan Man, he, and he talked about this, 
is he needed to have that Super Bowl ring. Many times, oh yeah, of course. The players just, you know, the individual honors are great, but you want to get that Super Bowl ring. And it is just amazing to me that Michael Strahan many times has been known for his ability to sack the quarterback. But I will give you credit, he did play the run. Now, I, I guess maybe I'm a little biased here, but I do believe, at least in my generation, that Reggie White was the best defensive lineman to play the game, probably to ever play the game. Michael, I, I just don't think when you, that one patented move that Reggie White has where he had the ability to pick up 300-pound linemen and throw them as if they weighed 25 pounds and then move on and get to the quarterback. And Reggie also played the run. But I, Michael was a little smaller than Reggie, but still these were two physical specimens that was able to play football almost like a linebacker at the defensive end or defensive tackle position if you ever want to put them there. you know. Hey, hey Ray, let me say something about this, too, about, about Strahan. I mean, he's a great football player, but he's 36 years old. You know, uh, he was in the final, se- uh, year, final year of a contract that would have paid him at least $4 million bucks. Well, one you know, Michael's done, too. I mean, and, and Mark, you can attest to this because more and more you're seeing players complain about the amount of preseason games, the amount of time that they, they spend in OTAs and all this stuff. You know, again, Michael set out most of training camp last year, if not all of it, came in and had one of his better years. You know, here again, you know, players spending less time in training camp but still being able to perform as they gained experience in the league. Now, right, when you played, there were no such things as OTAs. (laughs) No, no, no. no. In fact, we had a a guy on last week, we talked about those. We called those uh, voluntary, mandatory kind of things, and it's yeah, right. the latter part of our careers. But but you're you're exactly right, you know. And it, it's, again, it's just a creative way for the league to find a way to get the players into the you know, practice facilities to work out as a team, and perhaps maybe you know make them deliver a better product. But I, I, that's something we talk about. Again, I'm not sure if we're delivering a better product. Let's, let's talk about it as example. Exactly, and, and that's the point I'm trying to make. At some level, you guys start looking at overkill and the number of injuries to people in the trenches that happen. I mean, if you got OTAs and you got off-season conditioning programs, do you really need, what is it, four preseason games now? Some teams like the Redskins and the Colts are going to end up playing five. And, mm-hmm. I mean, they're – to me, on my show, I call them the fake football league games because they're meaningless games. You only see the stars for maybe a quarter, a quarter and a half until the next to last preseason game, but the fan has to pay top dollar for it. So, to me, the whole notion of preseason has become another cash cow for the owners. That's exactly right, Mark. You, you talk to the a lot of players. I don't even watch and preseason Ray, you football. What, what do you need, three weeks to get in shape? Well, okay, guys. They should be in shape all year round. Okay, but let me say this. Let me say this. And, and, and Mark, I think you, you, you may agree. You may not agree with this. You know, but for the, for the person who's coming in who's not the first-round draft pick, because I think any time after the first round, there's no guarantees really there. Right. You know, it is your chance to prove to America, and particularly to the GM and to the head coach, that you can play football at that level. Now, granted, you're not really competing against the guys that are going to be playing on the field the majority of time. So it's really, they're really using that as somewhat of a supplemental kind of league within the, it, the NFL. No, yeah, hey, Ray, I think I agree with Mark. It's supplemental money coming into the league and to the, uh, to, to the television networks to generate more money. Okay, let me say this. Here's the part I didn't talk about the money because, you know, I'm always against the league and the money. But I will agree this. I think that's the time where the league could actually gain more fans. 
I would tell the, uh, the regular season ticket holders, you do not have to include the preseason games in your package. I would open that up. I would lower the cost of those tickets, and I would open that up to the general public. Because, again, these guys that are playing are guys who have not yet made the team. Some of them was on the team the previous year. They could be on the borderline, but they actually are out there trying to win a game. So for people who don't get a chance to have the experience of going to an NFL game, I think that's a, a perfect opportunity. Ray, you're a smart businessman. Yeah, that would be the that way the I would. I, I, I do. I kiss your ass. You're me. Can you show the force, man? Do you think that would work, get, Mark, if they did it that way to use that uh, as a way to expand their fan base? Or just give people who, as you said, can't afford because it's expensive to be an NFL season ticket holder, even if you got nosebleed seats, man. It's not, you know, the, the average NFL fan, and, and I'll use Oakland as an example because I think um, – HBO Sports, Real Sports, did a piece maybe a year or so ago about how you, you look at the black hole. You think Mark, it's people who sit in the black second. hole are a bunch of numbskulls, nitwits, and lunatics, and most of the people who sit in the black hole and put on the makeup and the war paint are people who work in Silicon Valley. Very educated, very affluent people, which speaks volumes about what you have to bring to the table if you're going to go to an NFL um, stadium and be a season ticket holder. Now, on the other hand, in all fairness to the league, they have made the league a lot more accessible to fans through, you know, satellite broadcasts on radio and TV. You can sit around. So it's a catch-22. But as it stands right now, man, the preseason has become a glorified cash cow of fake football, and you see a lot of guys getting hurt right now. And I just wonder, you know, if you – Maybe if you okay, need I'm to play to, some I'll extra you to games. For a second, we got to take a commercial break. Okay. We'll be right back after this message. You're listening to Railroad Sports on the Voice America Network. Come back and listen to it. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. I'm Joe Wood, president of Famous Footwear. We are a proud sponsor of March of Dimes' premier walking event, March for Babies, formerly known as Walk America. More babies begin healthy lives because of March of Dimes' research and programs. And with our support, we can do even more for families all over America. One day, all babies will be born healthy, but we have to walk to get there. Join the March for Babies. Sign up at marchforbabies.org. Off 
shot. Got it! With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Okay, we're back in this is the Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network with the number one co-host in the world. Amen. I got to apologize to you, Mark. Whenever you hear that music, that means we, we got to pay a few bills, so we're going to go to a commercial break. But you started to say something, and I want to welcome our, our host, our correspondents out of Philadelphia and the East Coast there who covers the East Coast teams, the Eagles, as well as the Washington Redskins. And I believe Jeff Mosh is on with us. Jeff, you there? Yeah, I'm here, Ray. How are you? Okay, great. Uh, I don't know if you and Mark have had uh, the opportunity to meet each other yet, but uh, certainly you can say hello to each other on the air. How you doing, Hi, Jeff? Mark. How are you? Great. I'm hanging hey, listen, in there. We just were cool. starting to touch bases a little bit there about the league and the accessibility of uh, you know being able to get league programming uh, beyond just attending a ball game. They're making it more available, but of course that of course generates. Uh, more revenue for them, but let, let me just let me just go back a little bit if I can about the Michael Strahan and, and people having the accessibility of seeing him by going to the game and watching him, you know, have sack after sack after sack. What's interesting is I have two guys who have covered two teams there on the East Coast in the conference that the Giants play in, the Washington Redskins and the Philadelphia Eagles. It seemed to me that when I saw some of these highlights of Michael Strahan and his career, particularly some of the sacks, it kind of reminds me when you see the Hall of Fame highlights, and Famine, you can chime in on this one too, the Hall of Fame highlights of, of LT, Lawrence Taylor. It seems that many of his sacks occurred against the Eagles, and when I watch Michael Strahan, it seems that I see a lot of his sacks against the Eagles. And let me ask you something, if, if I can, and Mark, if you can answer this first. Well, you, I'm just going to say, just because you haven't seen the sacks people, against you the Redskins don't mean they do some terrorism down here. Is that right? Man, he was a he was a terrorist. Just, I mean, man, you can go back to, uh, let's see, during his career, whether it was uh, Trent Green, whether it was uh, – you know, uh, Mark Brunel, um, you know, any one of the Spurrier quarterbacks, you know, that whole cavalcade <laughs> of Florida guys. In. Michael Strahan, neither John Jansen nor Chris Samuels had an answer for Michael Strahan because of his quickness. I mean, you know, you often talk about the first step in basketball. Yes. Well, I'd have to say that his first step, uh, certainly as it relates to the tackles on either side, for Washington, uh, his his first step was just a bit too much for him. I thought the kid Stephon Heyer played him about as well as anybody that I've seen last year on that Sunday night game where Washington went up there to beat them. But the bottom line is, we talk about his power. It, it was that has certainly made him a better person. Well, Jeff, I know you know I know you saw some of those highlights that I saw. You know, and uh, as I said, I mentioned LT and. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to talk about the particular person he was beating all the time. You can mention that, but they're friends and teammates of mine. I don't want to mention names. But certainly, you saw the highlight reel. Does it seem like they're able to accumulate, or is it because, of course, we're in the conference and we play him twice a year that he's able to accumulate so many sacks? You know, I think it's a little bit of both. Obviously, um, if you look at the numbers, I believe Strahan has more sacks. More, more of his, most of his sacks came uh, against the Eagles than any other team. And I think Donovan McNabb is the most is the quarterback that Strahan sacked most in his career. Um, and yeah, that usually shines a light on the feud that McNabb and John Runyon, Eagles right tackle, had for for a very long time. Um, but you know, Runyon was saying yesterday that people don't realize that they they become very good friends. 
And people also don't realize that if Michael Strahan runs around for a whole game, 60, 65 plays, and gets one or two sacks, that's a good day for Strahan. But, you know, Runyon involved in those same 60 or 65 plays gives up one or two sacks, and that's considered a bad day for Runyon. Yeah, you're right about that. I mean, those are talking about one fraction of a game. Those are some statistics that, again, are not measured, and sometimes the league doesn't even keep those statistics. But certainly, uh, in in the uh, in the meeting rooms, the coaches bring that to the attention. You know, Michael Strahan again. If he got one sack a game throughout a season, that's 16 sacks. That that's that's the Hall of Fame career. If he did that every year, you know, right? And uh, it's something that I'm glad you brought that to the attention because I I didn't want to say that the offensive tackles are not doing their job. I guess I just wanted to bring it to the attention that it seemed like that the Eagles and I wasn't sure if the Redskins were showing up in a lot of these two Hall of Fame careers because we remember when it was LT, many times it was Stan Walters. <laughs> right, right. Well, well, I just think that, you know, if you pay closer attention, you'll see some uh, burgundy and gold number 8s and number 12s <laughs> and, and number 10s and even number 17 who've been uh, hauled to the turf both, uh, well, for the, I think during the course of his career, he probably only played at FedEx Field. But next to Lawrence Taylor, it would be safe to say that as far as Washington is concerned, there has been no other dominant defensive player in the division since the Dallas Doomsday defense who seemed to have their way against this particular offensive line than Michael Strahan did. And, you know, you just got to bow down to the greatness that was um, Strahan and uh, appreciate what he brought to the table. I mean, you hated him um, as a fan, but if you, you're a broadcaster or a journalist in this business, you just kind of marvel at the way he was able to get it done year after year, game after game, and uh, really held that team together. I, I think we we so overcome by um, his on-field uh, prowess that we haven't really given him his credit for being a leader. This is a guy that kept that team together through some real difficult times. They could have torn apart. On, you know, several times, but at the end of the day, Strahan was the guy that kept them, kept them together. Remember, they go to the Super Bowl, they lose to the Ravens, um, they get to the playoffs, then they miss the playoffs for a couple of years. He and Tom Coughlin had their rift. They were able to mend those fences so he can go out on top. And, I mean, that just speaks volumes about the well-rounded nature of, of uh, Strahan as the individual, more than just a character he, he was a person that played with a lot of high character, and I think that's some things that you know people got to look well beyond just the sacks and the run stoppage and look at his impact in the locker room as well as on the field. Right. Hey, hey Mark, i got a question. Fan Man, what do you think's next for uh, Strahan? What do you think he's going to be up to? Broadway. Broadway? <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, he'll do quite well. He'll, he'll I, I, star I think, rent. Well, I think Michael is the type of person that would. So, do you want to dance? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think whatever he sets his mind to do, he will do well. But you, but you made a couple interesting points there, Mark, and I, and I want to talk about that because I actually had on my notes to talk about that because we're talking about the New York Giants, we're talking about Michael Strahan. You talked about the relationship between him and, and, and his coach Coughlin, and I remember Coach Coughlin when he was a wide receivers coach with the Eagles and coaching Mike Quick, you know, and, uh, and I know the kind of coach he is and, and how rigid he is. And yet and still he and Michael were able to get together, I believe, and have a meeting of the minds and talk about how we could make this team a better team. And he was willing to compromise, and I also think that, you know, the coach was willing to compromise. Now let's, let's shift it and take some of the, the bloodline from the Giants and take it down to Tampa Bay. And, and you got, you know, Phil's son down there. The young man as a quarterback could have died on the football field, mm-hmm. 
and yet still he's having some problems with his coach down there in Tampa Bay and you know not really sticking with him and understanding you know his his plight to make it back from such a serious injury and and then just bringing in all kind of quarterbacks you know it just shows you i believe and jeff maybe you can answer this i believe it it shows you the relationship between the quarterback and his star i mean the the star player and the coach and how important that is for them to be successful yeah you know it, it's it's strange uh, ray and it's it's very hard to until you're in the locker room and you're there it's hard I don't know anymore because it just seems like every team's got a player who's disenfranchised with the coach and vice versa. And, you know, one year the coach is the problem and the team can't hack the coach, like they said about the Giants two years ago. And then the next year the coach and the team are, you know, everything's beautiful, hunky-dory, and they're going to win a Super Bowl. It's just the, the, the 24-7 media world of the NFL where every little gripe, I'm sure – there were as many player coach gripes back when you played and even before that than there are now. It's just they're not, they weren't brought to the light the way they are now. And uh, it, it almost gives a, the misconception that every player is, uh, or every team's got so many gripes and every player is almost like a, a zoo that, uh, every locker room's a zoo that you got to control. You know, I don't really think that there was all that, anything that went on with the Giants is when Coughlin took over was all that different than what's happened in many teams over many years before. But, it's, it's New York. It's the media capital of the world, so obviously it gets the most attention. Now, I'm not saying Tom Coughlin didn't change, and I'm not saying the Giants didn't adjust to Tom Coughlin, but I think that that's part of the learning process that every NFL team goes through with, with a coach. Well, when I mean, you got a guy down opinion, in, but, in, in, in Tampa Bay and you bring in Garcia. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't really address it. And I, I'm just, what I mean is I don't know if this is all that different. Now you got a, a coach in Tampa Bay who wants a quarterback, and you know, the quarterback wants more money. Uh, I assume you're talking about Jeff Garcia. But he also got the kid and Chris Sims. I mean, he's got he's got some options there, the coach, and he has to figure out what works. And naturally, heads are going to clash when you have to decide on one. And there's three or four people going for the job. Yeah, but you, you, a coach like Gruden questioned the toughness of his players. I mean, I remember there, there's scenes from uh, NFL films where Joey Galloway got cramps, and it was like, you know, can you go back out there, man? You're killing me. You're killing me. Well, it's a hot day. You're playing in Central Florida, man. People cramp up just a little bit. I mean, this guy played with a ruptured spleen and won a game for you, and you're going to question his toughness because he can't be available by the end of the season. I mean, you know, Gruden has some personality issues that he has to work on. I mean, I've talked to a lot of players that have played with him, and there's not a whole lot of reverence. I mean, he's just not a likable dude. You respect him. You play for him. You you appreciate the fact that he's a great football mind. But as a as a human being, um, you know, a lot of the people that I know that have played for John Gruden don't speak highly of him in that aspect. I mean, he's just a tough person to deal with, and I think he's had some success. And the ego is off the charts. Now, Chris Sims had firmly taken over as leader of that team before he ruptured his spleen winning a game. And you, I think he had See, the credibility I, I in the locker room. I disagree with you. I never, I never felt that Chris Sims took the reins of that job. Even when he did okay the year before, I felt there was overblown the job that he did only because he had been so bad his first couple of years that, you know, he finally started to look, I guess, like a, a semblance of an NFL quarterback. And then everybody was like, oh, this guy can really play. Well, look at the numbers. They really weren't that good. Now, I'm not going to say he's not tough. Yeah, I some music the, there. The spleen thing, but... i take a break, but we're going to come back to that because, again, Chris was a young guy and still is a young guy. Give him his opportunity. We're going to give you your opportunity after we take this break. We'll come back. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. Yes. In the world. 
want to be as free as the spirits of those who left them. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Form. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Form or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. If you love sports and like food, or like sports and love food, or are anywhere in between, Sports Bites might just become one of your favorite ways to spend your lunch break. Broadcasting Thursdays at 12 o'clock noon on the West Coast, it's Sports Bites with Chef Di, a delicious, enlightening, and entertaining mix of sports, food, and celebrity athletes. Yummy. Don't miss Sports Bites with Chef Di, Thursdays at noon on the Voice America Sports Channel. to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports okay we're gonna get right back into the bigger things you listen to rail sports on the voice america network with the number one co-host in the world and as we were talking about we were talking about chris sims there and i, and I think jeff you, you you started to to go to the defense perhaps maybe or maybe you didn't Oh, Chris, but I, I know Chris has been a little bit, you know, upside down in his ratio of interceptions to touchdowns. I, th- I know he's thrown more interceptions than touchdowns, but I also want to add in, you know, the amount of time he's been given. I think Chris is still a young quarterback, but it goes to my perspective about this league is you just don't have, you know, that many years. You've got to come into the league ready to play because I think this is maybe his sixth year as a quarterback. If, if that, or last year maybe was his sixth year. So, you know, you can get back into what you were saying about him. Uh, go right ahead, Jeff. Well, I should first start by amending that. You know, what John Gruden said, if, if that was true, if he was saying that he has no heart or he was faking the injury, that's, that's ludicrous, and I can understand Chris's sentiment about not wanting to, to play anymore. But my only thing is be careful, you know, where you think you, what you can say and where you think you're going to end up and what you're going to do because, to me, Chris Sims has not proven – anything to the NFL as far as how he can play the quarterback position, aside from being tough that, that day that he played through the spleen. But I'm talking about, you know, leading a team and winning because he has not proved that yet. And he can force himself out of Tampa, but he's not going to be get handed the job wherever he goes, just like he was handed it at Texas, okay? This isn't the college football anymore. Hey, Jeff, uh, fan man, you think uh, he's going to end up he, – uh, apparently he's definitely leaving Tampa Bay. You think Where, where do you think he's going to go? Will he back up someplace? 
Probably. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to sign him to be a starter right now. Do you? No, I don't think so at all. I don't. I don't no, I, I, you know, I, I agree with Mark to a point, but uh, and Gruden, I don't know, but I've heard a lot of things about Gruden too. But he's very, Gruden has a lot of pressure on him to win, and if, if Sims isn't doing it, he has to find somebody else, which he did with uh, when they picked up the uh, former uh, quarterback for the Eagles. Hey, Mark, let me ask you something. You know, you haven't been on the show with us before, but perhaps maybe you've heard. You know, again, I've been a critic of there. Again, there's a lack of quarterbacks. Here goes a guy who was a first round pick who's out there now, you know, in the pastures. They're already throwing him out in the pastures. I, I don't see him landing any place as a starting quarterback. I, for one, you know, I'm surprised that he and his dad hadn't gotten together and he had just decided that football was just no longer the game for him to play. With the spleen injury, I don't think I would have, you know, it would have been done. I would have been done. Uh, do you see that he lands any place to compete for a starting job or you think he has that potential? Or you Maybe think the he's Bears. Done? I mean, the Bears are a quarterback. Uh, in flux type situation all the time, and you know, I'll, maybe this is overstatement, but it took Eli Manning uh, four years before he could win a Super Bowl, before he could become a leader. And the learning curve for quarterbacks is a steep learning curve. And this kid is rolling into his fifth season right now. So we were hearing a lot of the things that you know we saying on this program about Eli Manning. Prior to last season, you know, he throws too many interceptions. He's not a leader. I mean, his old teammate, Tiki Barber, called him out on NBC to open the NFL season last year, you know, saying that he but didn't Mark, think he had that, the heart. He couldn't be a leader. Why? So. Because you're not giving that much time anymore like you used to be to develop your talent. They're expecting you to come in and deliver from day one almost. Yes, they are. If you're number one pick, I, I suppose with the enormous sums of money and the signing bonuses, you're not. You're expected to come in and talent. But the NFL is such a sophisticated, you know, offensive language, um, you know, learning the abilities. And then, I mean, let's be real for a second. When you look at the, the playmakers around these guys, um, Eli finally got himself some playmakers last year, and he was able to make some plays. Um, I look at Chris Sims. Who's he throwing to? I mean, you know, aside from Joey Galloway, who seems to be one step away from getting injured every season, who has the guy had? They Tampa has been inconsistent at the running back position. They haven't had anybody who's been able to really stay healthy. So bad is the running back position down there, they had to go out and reacquire Warwick Dunn, who may in fact be their best running back coming back, and he's nowhere near the Warwick Dunn he was early in his career right now. I mean, you expect quarterbacks to come in and win games. Same thing's happening in Philadelphia. I mean, they get mm-hmm. this—they get Donovan McNabb, few to any playmakers. They have the one playmaker in T.O. They don't want to pay pay him, and now Donovan McNabb is an underachieving quarterback. All, you know, offenses by themselves, defenses by themselves, they don't win championships. It's about the organization, and the organization has to put playmakers around these young quarterbacks. And in the case of Sims, he hadn't been around too many playmakers. I think you can make that argument with Rex Grossman in Chicago as well. Who are the playmakers around these guys? Quarterbacks are players that execute the offense. They deliver the ball to the hands of the people who are supposed to make plays. You don't have anybody to get the ball to. You start pressing just a little bit, and if you're young, inexperienced, and haven't been through enough of the wars, you're going to make mistakes. And I think that's where Chris Sims was, and I thought that last year um, had the potential to be his breakout season until he ruptured his spleen, you know, I think it would be in Tampa's best interest to try to mend that fence right now because they already shipped out Bruce Gradkowski, who I think got him to the playoffs uh, maybe a year before last or what have you, and he's now with the St. Louis Rams. So, yes. you know, he can't alienate 
all of the people that are expected to execute his offense. And, I mean, you know, he's a taskmaster who demands perfection, but, you know, Gruden himself ain't the perfect coach. Hey, Mark, let me ask you a question on this. Let's go back to what you just said, and let's go back to the Giants. In the Super Bowl, Eli Manning is uh, being attacked. He throws that pass, and the tight end, um, and I can't think of his name right now, who, who jumped up in the air and grabbed that David pass for that, first, for that first down. What was his name? David Tyree, wide receiver. Who I might add may not even make the team. This he year. might not even right. make the team. In fact, they said that he's not guaranteed a roster spot. Right. So what you just said was that you know the fans are sitting up there saying this guy basically won the Super Bowl for the Giants because of the great play between those two players and surrounding Eli Manning with those type of players. That's how they got to where they were. Well, I think, and then he's not even guaranteed a roster spot. He has to work well, for well, it. Well, I'm thinking. Well, let, you know, you got Amani Toomer. Yeah. who always was consistent on third downs. Plaxico Burris had an mm-hmm. all-pro caliber season, if you had, asked me, playing with one good ankle. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they were Steve able Smith. to, and I forget the backup tight end, uh, Kevin Boss. Boss. Kevin Boss, was it? Kevin who, Boss, yeah. Who took over when Jeremy Shockey got hurt. I mean, there are more playmakers in New York around Eli Manning than Chris Sims has had. And I think that you look at the success of Eli Manning maturing, had a lot to do with the fact with him bonding with Plaxico Burris, getting a feel and, and having an innate, you know, notion of where um, uh, Amani Toomer was going to be. He obviously had worked with uh, Kevin Boss. And then, you know, Tyree just makes a play that's a defining play in the Super Bowl at that moment in time. I don't think that they had ever factored him in as being, like, you know, an icon that we would be discussing. How could he not come back last year? I mean, David Tyree didn't really – I mean, he was like – fourth or fifth on the depth chart, but he'll, you know, live forever in Giants lore for making that one catch. The bottom line is Giants do a great job of drafting. This year they get Mario Manningham, a steal in the draft, a Michigan receiver. Michigan receivers seem to do good in New York. They do a good job of surrounding <laughs> not their players, Michigan on this show. their quarterbacks, with players <laughs> that can make plays. Hey, hey, Mark, let me, let me ask you a question about uh, Terrell Owens. He signs an extension, $27 million contract, and then he said, and then he's supposed to go for a random drug test, but there was a cell phone communicate, miscommunication. I don't understand that. Hey, fan man, see, there you go again. You want to start something about T.O.? There's no problem. It's a dead issue. He already said it. His owner already said it. It's a dead issue. Oh, okay. It's a dead issue. Okay, I, I agree, Ray. Thank you. That, that, you want to start the T.O. thing again going because right you're now. mad because he left Philly and he's down there. No, I'm glad he's down there, to be honest with you. Well, look, he didn't leave Philly. Philly he didn't want to pay him. Philly. I mean, yeah, he, you guys... he, look, it looks like Dallas has been a lot better off with Terrell Owens than Philly has been without him. There's no doubt about that. No, I agree. You know, and, and there's no sugarcoating that. Nope. You know, well, wait a minute. I don't know. It's been two years, and the Eagles made the playoffs in one of those two years, and the Cowboys made the playoffs in one of those two years, and neither team ain't won a Super Bowl. So to me, it's a watch right now. Well, I would well, say this, the Cowboys I say this, I think Donovan's been looking for a playmaker ever since T.O.'s left. He's, been, he's constantly been asking for playmakers. That's, you know. that's true, but every team and every quarterback's always asking for playmakers. Donovan ain't the only one. The yeah, point but is, Donovan like, ever, ever since he left, up on his back a little bit more than he does if you got a playmaker because then you can get the ball out your hands and, you know, it extends your career as no well. Doubt, no doubt. I'm just saying the Cowboys haven't exactly capitalized these last two years. They, they blew a golden opportunity last year. They fell flat on their faces, and their offense was the problem. Well, hey, Jeff, I agree with you. Dallas has Terrell Owens, and everybody expected Dallas to go to the Super Bowl, and they exactly. blew it. 
Chicago's going to have a different kind of offseason this year. Here we turn around again, another one, of your, another one of your, you know, I guess star players, if you have any star players up there in Chicago. But Cedric Benson now, they said goodbye to him, you know, off the field, you know, whether it's uh, blood, you know, alcohol in, your, uh, alcohol in your blood test or whatever it is. What's the problem in Chicago? Are they not picking the right character players? Uh, here's another one of them. What's happening? Can you address that, Jeff? You heard anything about that? Ray, uh, let me address it this way, and, and it's amazing to me that this isn't brought up more often, but when is the Chicago Bears front office going to take the blame for the Bears' uh, mediocrity for most of the last few years, except for that one great Super Bowl year, which is almost looking like smoke and mirrors now? I mean, so they have not found a running back. It almost I mean, from Curtis Enos to Anthony Thomas to Cedric ba- they've drafted guys high at the running back position, and none of them have ever panned out. They haven't had a quarterback that's panned out in the past five or Hey, Jeff, they had they, Thomas Jones last year or two years ago from the Cardinals. He was a great yeah, but player. but Thomas Jones wasn't a guy they drafted. That, no, Thomas it, Jones right. was a guy they got picked up, I think, from Arizona. Right. He had been kind of a failure in some spots uh, earlier before. This, this front office has not built a team that is, has been competitive for a, at least a one- or two- or three-year period. Now, they've done some well on some defensive players, but they've really messed up on a lot of offensive players. They've let a lot of players go. And I just don't understand the direction that they're going. They went and let Bernard Berrien walk after they said that there was the number one priority they had to keep. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm just as so confused as you are. Because, I, I mean, this is, this is a stellar franchise, you know, one of the oldest franchises, you know. I mean, after all, it's a George Howard's trophy. Come on, you know. Well, I, you know, I, I said this on NFL Network last year. I told Jamie Dukes, I was like, look, you got to ask the question, does Jerry Angelo have pictures on Mike McCaskey or something right now? Because exactly. some of the, they, they haven't drafted well. The front office decision-making, you know, from a football acumen standpoint, leaves a lot to be questioned. I mean, you, you documented it perfectly. I mean, the, the questions at the quarterback position, the inability to find a running back. There's no way you can play in Chicago without having a running back. And then the one running back that you had that the team liked that helped carry you to the Super Bowl is a guy you let go. You give the ball to a guy who can't stay out of his college town. And for the love of God, can somebody tell me what is the passion with guys who are rich getting paid going back to their college towns and getting DUIs. We saw it with well, Joe we Spinola right with Chicago here in Arizona, Bulls in Arizona with, um, We've seen uh, it with Cedric Benson twice. Uh, Matt right. Leinert was caught doing beer bongs in L.A. at a party. <laughs> right. I mean, they can't get away from the college money, they want to relive their college well, life. It's, yeah, it's, Benson it's only had a few drinks they said at dinner. Well, a few is a few too many. I think we well, no, a few is a big word. You don't know if it's two or 20. Well, yeah, we can stretch that, you know, like uh, one of our presidents. You know, I think he kind of stretched something a little while ago. But anyway, I think I heard music. <laughs> if we hear music, that means we got to take a commercial break. You listen to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network with the number one co-host in the world. Hey, man. We'll be right back after these messages. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Yeah, he'll get you out of that to your head. 
JackLaLane.com presents Jack LaLane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. Each week, Jack is joined by Elaine LaLane and his nephew, bodybuilder, kinesiologist, and personal trainer, Chris LaLane, to answer your questions and help you overcome your fitness roadblocks. That's three times the diet and fitness know-how. Three times the entertainment. Tune in every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific to Jack LaLane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Take a look inside the country's fastest-growing professional sports organization. Join Robbie Kendall for Inside the ABA on the Voice America Sports Channel. The show will feature weekly interviews with the owners, players, coaches, and influential league executives. Tune in and be a part of the fastest-growing sports organization in the world. You can hear Inside the ABA every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. All right, we're back. Of course, you're listening to Rail and Sports on the Voice America Network with the number one co-host in the world. Damn, man. And this last segment is going to be a little different. But before we get to the last segment, I just want to talk about one thing. You know, here again, we're talking about, you know, these guys off the field, done some crazy things. I just want to address this one issue if we could. Down there in Miami, you, you, you got the big tuna. And Jason Taylor, and again, I don't ever believe whatever's reported in the media about the status of a player. Oh, he's safe. We're going to keep him. We want him. I just don't believe that until the season starts. Now, you got Parcells, who has not yet fully accepted Jason Taylor. But you got, is Ricky Williams still on that roster down there, guys? Jeff, Mark, help me out here. Yeah, I'm yeah, pretty sure he's still on the roster. Well, what the? Oh, come on, guys. Now, we're talking about character. We're talking about Cedric Benson. Hasn't he? I don't even think that the alcohol test has come back yet in terms of how much blood, how much alcohol was in his blood. And he's already been released by the team. Now, Ricky has already had his issues, but he's been welcomed back. I, I, come on, guys. Well, you know, hey, Ray, whoa, whoa. you know what this is all about? This is all about being politically correct. They don't want to upset anybody in the town of Chicago because this guy has a few drinks. Well, what about Ricky Williams down there? Well, that's what I was going to go to. You, you must be. Are you a psychic, Ray? You're, 
You, you reading my mind? Ricky Williams is doing marijuana, doing doing smoking bongs, partying his ass off, and then he goes away and says, "I don't want to play anymore, and I'm going to go smoke dope and do some religion." And then they bring him back. I mean, this, and then Benson's getting kicked all over the place, and Jason Taylor's sitting in Miami being a nice guy. Hey, well, hey, okay, one, one Jeff, thing about one of you guys, um, give me give no, me a little bit of input on that. One thing about this this whole Cedric Benson thing, you you can't catch a DUI twice in five weeks. And I think that, you know, if they bring you in and they say, look, dude, you need to get yourself together. And he says, okay, I'm going to work towards that end. And then he goes out and he operates in the same behavior. I mean, it's, it's to a lesser extent like uh, Michael Vick, you know, lying to his owner. I mean, there are just certain character things that you got to understand that. And one of them is when the boss tells you you need to govern yourself in a certain way, you got to govern yourself in a certain way, and he's got to know better <clears throat> to put him in a position that would lead him down that road. It's much like Tank Johnson. Tank Johnson was told not to hang out in the nightclub anymore where his boy got shot. He was facing a charge at that time. He got released as well. I'll say one thing for the Bears, if nothing else, they are consistent. Whether it's drafting bad receivers, drafting quarterbacks that don't get it done, or running players who don't listen to the mandates that has been set forth by management, they they are consistent in, in running those guys. And, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, um, there is no inconsistency with the way that they operate in that regard. Well, let me uh, let me lead into this last segue, you know, because, I, I you know, I, I got to believe that there, there's some other adjectives we can use out there to describe things that people do other than dumb. You know, that was just... Back in the day, they call them dumb jocks and things of that nature. And, but that was a stupid move on his part. I'm not going to call it dumb, but that, that was a stupid move on his part. And I, and, and I just hope that the young man gets himself together because there's just no other place in this world to have such a great job. It's the best job that I think ever was create a sports job and able to go out and do what you love doing, play a game, and get paid millions of dollars. But listen, that, that sports that game that these young men get paid so much money for, I believe is about to be, you know, again, you know, in the headlines. But in the headlines for some other reason, and that is that that's this presidential election. You know, I sit here today able to do this talk show, you know, 40 years ago when Dr. King got killed. I don't know if I'd have been able to sit in this kind of studio and have this kind of show and have the freedom to talk about whatever it is that I wanted to talk about. And I'm just one. I got two beat writers there, and, and many times... You know, athletes are portrayed as being dumb jocks because, again, the subject matter that they're asked to speak about, most of the time is just sports. You don't know if they know about anything else. You don't know if they care about anything else. But people always talk about them being role models. Do we know what role the people want us to play? Do people even care about what our opinion is? I, I just want you guys to, to, to take a moment to, to, to share with me about your approach to this upcoming you know, political election, the presidential election, and how it relates to sports. And if you will go outside of the box and ask any questions related to the presidential candidates. And, and let, me, let, me, let me start with you, if, if I could, please. Mark, you go right ahead. Well, I, there's some people that will answer on the record, and there's some that won't. And I think that uh, Bill Roden's book, uh, $40 Million Slaves, kind of chronicles it. Um, he, he speaks about the... Um, uh, the questions that were asked by players like Michael Jordan, and uh, uh, of you know when he introduced the Air Jordan shoe, and he was like, well, you know, uh, I'm not going to say anything bad about Republicans because Republicans buy shoes too. And I think what we have here is that with the enormous wealth 
and financial stability that athletes have been given today, they aren't really willing to risk putting themselves in harm's way in terms of losing endorsement dollars, which make them reluctant to speak out in many instances on uh, political points of view for fear that it's going to cost them some money, which is in stark contrast to how it was during the you know, 60s when you had the Jim Browns and this, this whole uh, black power movement and guys were speaking out because they were passionate about it, and they had less money to lose. So it, it, it's an interesting juxtaposition that has happened here right now. I think um, you will have some older athletes who are sort of in the twilight of their careers that may take, um, may be willing to speak, may be willing to take an active role in the political process because they see the end of their career coming up. But in many instances, young players aren't aware. I mean, you don't find kids like who grew up like us who kind of had to watch Meet the Press on Sunday mornings when the NFL season wasn't going on because we only had three, four, or five stations. Well, you got 130 stations, and you got your options to watch music videos and, and reality TV shows and stuff like that. You aren't as worldly as a lot of the guys were back in the day because of all the distractions, Internet, text messaging, all that kind of stuff. So in many regards, some guys aren't aware they need to grow into that. And I think a little bit later on down the road, once they get some seasoning, you will see them. This will be an interesting um, election. Um, it's just ironic that 40 years ago, um, Bobby Kennedy, before he was killed, said that he could see um, an African-American president in 40 years. And, and goodness knows... <laughs> Here we are with an African-American Democratic nominee. So and it just goes to show Kennedy, you that, you know, life does evolve if you live long enough to see it. Hey, and speaking of Bobby Kennedy, I think one of the first men that was right there to hold him as he was falling was Rosie Greer, a right. football player. Hey, Jeff, let me say this. Let me ask you this question, Jeff. Uh, mm -hmm. Should a player be concerned about, let's say, an African-American player or a white player, should they be concerned about voicing their political opinion and having that affect their job status? Should they, well, are we talking about perception or reality, right? Because, I mean, well, well, I'm, money, I'm saying, money always talks. Let, let, so, yes, why can't an athlete, a person speak like that? I mean, should, should be concerned be, about what he says if he's is, going to... You tell me what the reality is. In well, I mean, uh, the reality is that uh, if an athlete says something, you know, black, white, Hispanic, regardless, and it's contrary to uh, maybe a, a, an ideology that, that the company that they're pitching for uh, believes, then... Obviously, they're, they're butting heads with the people who are writing checks for them, and that's not good. And that's why, you, you know, you have what Mark was talking about and that you have athletes who, who choose not to really discuss their political uh, beliefs in the public for that reason. Well, let me, let me chime in on this. Um, I think if I recall back about uh, 14 or 16 months ago when Obama was going to run, hold on, when Obama was going to run, who endorsed Obama was Oprah Winfrey. And Oprah Winfrey went on to national television and had a big rally for Obama, but you didn't see all of the advertisers run away from, from uh, Oprah. But, you know, Again, Oprah is an older seasoned woman who, who understands so we're the bigger picture, and I'm not quite sure that you can... I appreciate you guys being on the show. I appreciate everybody listening. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network with the number one co-host in the world. Fan man. And I hate to say it, but... Next time, which will be the best time. You'll never be in doubt. That's what it's all about. You can't take me for granted. Smile.